well, you know, we're going to look at, we think it will be the last of the series of Seeking the Face of God. And, you know, when we think of seeking the face of God, many people think it's just, well, we've been to church, but that's not seeking the face of God. Living a life for Christ, searching for Christ is seeking the face of God. We've looked at three other weeks previous. We're not going to really touch on them, but we're going to start where we left off and we wouldn't have time. It's good to see some of you back from holiday looking a little browner than you went. Um, but it's good to see you back from holidays. And there's others who are away. And look, the church is filled this morning. You are just wonderful. Um, and we do welcome you if you're here for the first time in the name of the Lord Jesus. Will you turn with me to Psalm 27 as our text this morning? And it has been for the last three mornings. We may finish this today and move on to something fresh. While you're looking that up, could I say this evening, uh, we have a guest singer. Thank you, Billy, for your uh, ministry and song this morning. We have a guest singer. Jonathan Kearns will come and sing this evening. And we have a guest preacher as well. So please come and hear him. Ronnie Ballantyne, the brother's coming to bring the gospel. And before I'm asked about 30 times, are you here tonight? Yes, I'm here tonight too. Um, I'll be playing along and Rebecca will be uh, playing on the piano to help us um, this evening. Um, so we'd love to see you at six o'clock this evening. Let's just read the one verse that we have been reading, Psalm 27 and verse 8, please. When thou saidest, seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, thy face, Lord, will I seek. We have looked in, in quite a bit of depth and at length, when thou saidest, this call of God cannot be nullified here because everything, whether it's from our salvation and the quickening of the Holy Spirit to our lives to behold the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, that we might be saved from the calling through the preaching of the Word. How shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? And we've looked at a lot of these things to do when thou saidest. And the challenges went out that we looked at how it's plural. When we read it in public, there's been a plural declaration. When you said, Lord. So if God speaks to you this morning, as we have put it in other mornings, then it's up to you to answer the call. But it's how you answer, whether it's with the mind just only, with lip service, or whether it be from the heart. We've looked at it in depth, and we can't go through it too much, for we have more to go through. So... Remember, when thou saidest, seek ye my face. The word seek here means to seek and search, to inquire after diligently. It means to desire, to ask. Nearly, it's put in places in the Scripture where someone begs. For example, Joseph of Arimathea goes into Pontius Pilate after Christ is crucified, and he begs the body of Jesus. It's the idea. You can imagine him, Pilate, please, uh, give me the body of Jesus. Please give me the body of Jesus. Pilate, I'm asking you. I'm begging you. I desire so much. I won't leave until I go with the body of Jesus. So that's the idea of seeking the face of God. 
that we not so much as beg God, but we desire him so much that it's like Jacob that we will not let thee go except thy bless us, wrestling with the angel of the Lord all night. And of course, we looked at how it means to require after, to keep on requiring after, and to keep seeking after. Seventy-six times in the Old Testament, the word here that is for the, for the word uh, face, seek ye my face. Seventy-six times the same word is used for presence. So to seek the face of God is to seek his presence. Now, it's used more for the word face because it speaks of someone's face or they turned their face. But for, and, and when we speak as a, according to uh, deity, it speaks of God who is omnipresent turning his face. The idea isn't that God turns a face like you and I turn a face, but that his presence turns. This morning in our meeting, I was conscious, I'm sure many of you were, of the anointing of the Spirit that God had turned his face in, the, in our meeting as we worshipped him. He had come and shown his felt presence, if you want for another word, in our meeting. God who is omnipresent, it is that he shows up, as we can call it that, and I say it with reverence and respect to the Lord. But he shows up in that sense where we as a, as a corporate body, the local expression of the body of Christ here in Guilford, we are aware that he's here. We are conscious of his presence. And so that means, the word there is ponim. When I said a seek ye my face, my heart. When I said a seek ye my face, thy ponim. My heart said unto thee, thy ponim, thy presence, Lord, felt immediate presence with me will I seek. Now, I don't know about you, but I've mentioned it before in here that whenever um, I don't feel as spiritual as other times. Who ever feels like that? You're not as spiritual as other times. Half of us and the other half aren't telling the truth. <laughs> and there's times in our walk where you're not as spiritual one day as you are the next. And that's why we're kept by grace, the power of God through faith. We're kept by him. You know, if I were to tell you that I'm only saved when I feel saved, there's a lot of the times then I'm not saved because there's a lot of the times I don't feel saved in the sense that where are you, Lord? Am I on my own? Am I trying to make it? And that's when it's dangerous that we may fall from grace by reverting, not into sin. People think falling from grace is, well, they fell into sin and certain things happened. And they're really falling from grace. It can be related to that. But falling from grace is really this in a nutshell. It is when you and I try to work on our flesh and keep ourselves to be saved because we can't. Now, I believe in walking right. You know that. I believe in living a holy life. I believe in being right before God and living the best of my ability through my failures and my faults according to the word of God. But you know what? I fail too. I know you might go to maybe other places or other ministers or whatever, pastors or preachers or Christians, and they may tell you, you know, they float around on their unseen hoverboard and they're walking around with their halo in their harp and they never fail the Lord. Well, I want to tell you, the man you're listening to is only a man at the best. But I love him with all my heart. I love the Lord Jesus with all my heart. And I fail him all the time. 
but I thank God that his blood cleanseth me from all sin. I don't go out deliberately to sin. Don't get me wrong, please. And I don't live how I like that grace may abound. Because Paul says, should we continue in sin that grace may abound? He's asking the question to those who think that they can live how they like because we're under the blood and sure grace covers us. I'm not speaking of that. Paul says, should we continue in sin that grace may abound? And in Romans chapter 6, he says, God forbid. God forbid. Never let it be so sad, in other words. Or, as I taught our American friends that I had during the week, the little phrase from Northern Ireland, it's like, God forbid, never let it be so sad. Get away of that way. Paul is expressing himself in this. So whenever we say we fail, we're not saying we deliberately go out to sin. I try and live my life the best I can, but I live in grace, and so do you. And so when we're looking at these things, I'm going to look at the heart of the matter of things. My heart said unto thee, not my lips, not just a thought that I had. Some people And I told you last week, they say, go do all that's in your heart. And I told you, please don't do that's all that's in your heart. Do all that's in the word of God, according to his heart. Please don't. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? The Lord asked through the prophet. The, 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 The disciples who gathered around Christ on when he was actually breaking the bread and instituting as what we would know as the Last Supper of him uh, representing him going to the cross, his broken body and his precious shed blood. And he says, one of you will uh, betray me this night. And the disciples, these holy men all around him here, they're saying, what? Is it I? Is it I? Is it I? They didn't even know their own heart. Didn't even know their own heart. So notice this. When we look at heart, let's look at man's heart in general. We want to look at man and woman's heart. When I say man, I mean it in a generic sense. Man and woman's heart in general. In other words, we look at man's heart um, that are unsaved, or man's heart that is away from God, and man's heart who seeks after him. We ended at Psalm 45 and verse 1. Let's just read it. Psalm 45 and verse 1. While you're looking it up, I'm just going to quote our text this morning from Psalm 27 and verse 8. You look up Psalm 45, verse 1. When thou saidest, seek ye my face, my heart. It means the deep inner recesses of my being has heard the word. Remember, when thou saidest, the word has come. The word has spoken. The word has entered. The word has called. The word is pulling, drawing me by my heart. My heart said unto thee, thy face, Lord, will I seek. You see, it's so natural for us to say, you know, you know I'm going to seek your face, Lord, because I was slightly stirred in the meeting. And then by the time we get home and have Sunday lunch and we have our snooze or whatever you're going to do, by the time you get up, it's time to come out tonight and this morning's message is forgotten. And during the week, the odd thing may come to mind or the odd thing may not come to mind and a two-minute thought of Christ may enter your heart here and there. That's not heart worship. 
Heart worship is relationship and walking with Christ, knowing Him, following Him, speaking to Him. Psalm 45 and verse 1, he says, My heart is indicting a good matter. I speak of the things which I have made touching the king. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. Notice here what he's saying. My heart, never mind the person beside you, brother and sister, behind you, wherever, front of you. He says, as for me, my heart is indicting a good matter. And we looked at it last week, how it means my heart's bubbling up. Now go and check this. Go and check even the Puritan writers on it. My heart is overflowing. It's like it gives the idea of a, of a bubbling pot within me. I hear your word. I, I, I'm in a place of worship. I'm, Lord, you're moving in me. My, my heart, this is the man who writes the Psalms, the king, the psalmist of Israel. Now surely, if his heart is moved by the Spirit, we can understand there that it's more than just, here's a wee thought, David, write it down. If it is, then forget it. But this is the inspired Word of God through the Spirit of God. And now the Spirit's in him, working in him, moving in him. Now, David, my heart is indicting a good matter. A good matter. I'm glad it's there. Because if we were to say, read this and say it's a bad matter, there'd be something wrong because it wouldn't be of God. Your heart and what you muse on, what you meditate on, what you sit and stew over at times will determine what your heart is. And out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth will eventually speak. If you fill your heart full of rubbish, guess what's going to come out of your mouth? Rubbish. If you fill your heart full of things of the world, guess what's going to fill your heart? Things of the world. It's apples and oranges, isn't it? It's as simple as that. But if you're in the Word and if you're in a place of study, even in times of dryness, you're in times of barrenness, times of wilderness experience, time of climbing mountains and it's difficult and it's hard, if you seek from your heart, you'll find Him. And your heart will be full of him, reading the scriptures, being in a place of worship. He says, my heart is indicting a good matter. I speak of the things which I have made touching the king. Here's the subject and the object of his worship. Our king, Jesus, should be the subject and the object of our worship alone. He should be the focal point and the center of who we seek. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. So notice this, we stopped here. My heart's ready to burst. It's bubbling up. It's overflowing with what God's telling me, what the Spirit is showing me. The Spirit is moving on me so heavily. I cannot contain this. My tongue's about to speak so fast like the pen of a ready writer. It sounds like the Pentecostal blessings hitting David here, doesn't it? It sounds like that God, the Spirit, is working through him. And now he cannot contain himself to the point 
Where's his tongue? I'm a ready writer. I'm, I'm a, I can't get this down. My tongue's like a loose board on a truck gone over a bumpy road. So worship and praise and prayer and meditation must be from the heart or it's futile. It comes to nothing. So in Psalm 86, you can either mark these down, flick to them quickly, or you can just listen and look them up later. Whatever you feel you can keep up with yourself. In Psalm 86 and verse 12, we want to know, how much of my heart have I to give to thee? Come on, brothers and sisters, let's think about this. How much have you given to Christ? Do you see whenever you're holding something that he wants you to release over to him? Then you haven't given him your all. Do you see if you're holding something against a brother and sister in spite and malice? Or anyone, then you're not giving him all your heart. Here's one to help you. Do you see if you've been washed in the blood and you're forgiven of your sin, yet you keep holding on to what has happened to you in the past in the sense of what your sin has been? You're not giving it all to Christ. He paid for it. Let it go. Thank God that you're saved. Thank God that you're washed. Thank God that he loves you. Give him it all. It's a reason to worship. It's a reason to praise him. Psalm 86 and verse 12 says, I will praise thee, O Lord, my God, with all my heart. I'm not going to let you so far. Now, God is always working in our hearts. doesn't matter who we are where we are, this man, you, or whoever. God is always working on our hearts, and there's always more to release to him. But whatever that may be, then give it to him. And that which consumes your heart when it isn't Christ is being hidden from Christ and not yielded to Christ. Here the psalmist says, O Lord, with all my heart, and Psalm 108, what is our heart to be? Is it like Peter? Peter, before he was filled with the Spirit after the resurrection, the ascension of Christ. Is it Peter, when he, like him, when he, he would fluctuate, wouldn't he? I'm with you, now I'm away from you. I'm following you far off, but I already said I'd go to prison and death with you. Many, much of us, our walk is like this. Many of us can be like that. So how much all, secondly, how sure are we to be to give it to Christ? Psalm 108 and verse 1. My, oh God, my heart is fixed. (laughs) Brother, sister, what's your problem? What's your fear? What's your worry? Fix it on Christ. Fix your heart on Christ. Not your head, not your lips. Fix your heart. The heart on Christ. And it will be tried, and it will be tested, but you'll find that he never breaks your heart. Other people may, situations may, 
but he will never break your heart because he mends the broken heart. He's the mender of the broken heart. Here, the idea is my heart, oh God, my heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise. Will you turn with me to 1 John, just by the way of chapter 2, please? 1 John chapter 2. Notice where the heart here isn't fixed or what it is fixed on but shouldn't be fixed on. Uh, 1 John chapter 2 and verse 15, please. Notice what it says. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Now notice, verse 17, And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. In other words, the one who has the heart of the Father, the heart of the Father is shown in the Word of God. Here's my heart to you. He that is walking according to the word abides forever. So notice here what it says in verse 15, love not the world. Let me give you, I've given this example. If some of you have been with me for quite some years, you've heard this before. I apologize, you're going to hear it again. But those of you who maybe haven't been with me for a few years or for a certain period of time, you can forgive me on this. Or you can listen to this, sorry, the others can forgive me on this. The word here for love is the word agape or agape, okay? And how do we express agape love? Well, the best way the Christian mentions agape love is this. Agape love is the love of Calvary. Well, that's how we express it, yeah. Jesus dying on the cross, but people will say, well, what does that mean? How do we express that? How do we draw that out and show people that? Agape love is when you go the extra mile for someone. Well, yeah, and that's, a, that's okay, and that may be part of it, but that's not really what it means. Agape love is like this. Agape love is a love that is drawn out of the heart according to the preciousness of the object that is love. And let me say that again, okay? Agape love is a love that is drawn out of the heart. Notice this. It's drawn out of the heart according to the preciousness of the object that is love. So here's the example you've heard if you've been with me for some while. When Ellie was just born and Jody was a wee toddler, so I'd have took, taken Jody by the hand and she'd have walked a wee bit and I'd have had to carry her up through Barnbridge Town to one of the garages and the flyover goes over the A1 where it goes below. And, and as we went over the bridge toward the garage, we'd have walked down and she'd have went to me, up, daddy, up, 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 up. You know, she was tired, and I'd have lifted her up, and we'd have sat over, looked, or stood looking over the, the motorway A1 coming under the bridge. 
And it got to the point, she was so fixated because she learned that the lorry would come down and when her wee arm does this, the, arm, the lorry would have burnt, you know, blasted the horn. And so we'd have stood for long enough with her in my arms, looking up and the bend was around there, up a bit, and you could see far enough around the bend and you couldn't see any more, but Jody would have been like this. She wouldn't have moved. She was actually in a place where she was oblivious that her daddy had her in his arms. Like I wasn't, I wasn't even there. Now that she's well in her teens, she's like that again. <laughs> Only in a different way. Daddy doesn't really exist at the minute except for taxi service and money. Taxi and banker is daddy. You've all got this <laughs> coming up. And Ada stood with her, and she looks up and round this bend, and she was fixed, waiting on the lorry or whatever it was to come down. And when they came down, she was like excited, and the wee hand going, and if they seen her, they'd have blasted the horn. So one of the times I have her here in my arms, and she's looking up around this bend, and I'm just looking at her, and I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking. And I just said this to her. I says, Judy. And she's only maybe, would she be two? Barely walking. I don't know what age that was, but parents, the mothers can tell better than the fathers. I don't know. We just get on with it, you know. And I looked at her and I says, Judy, how do you make me love you so much? How do you make me love you so much? And she's, she's in my arms, oblivious to me, but heard that, and she went, she turned around to me and went, huh? <laughs> so, the idea is, that is the idea of agape love. The love drawn out of your father's heart for you, his child. According to the preciousness of the object, you're the object of his love. But when you're in Christ, when you're saved and blood-bought and you're in Christ, think of how much the Father loves his Son. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And he gave him for us. This is my beloved son, or my agapetus meus. The one who calls all the love of my heart out, says the Father. He calls the love out of my heart. And you crucify him. Now, when we're in him, the father loves his son so much. He loves you like he loves him. He loves you just like he loves him. That's a gap, eh? It's the love called out of the heart according to the preciousness of the object that is loved. Some people get their trophy cabinet and they polish their trophies because they love them so much. And they set them back in the cabinet and they're polished up. They just love them. 
the, the love is called out and radiates to them. So is the love of the Father for you. And I think whenever we realize that as Christians, as believers who have been adopted into the family of God, as it were, and saved and blood-washed and paid for, I think that should help us to move on in God, to know that He loves you, that He's with you, that He's for you, not against you. And so when John writes, love not the world, don't let the world's system of things, don't let the world and its pleasures, don't let the world and its lusts, don't let the world and its pride, don't let the world and all that it has, listen, call the love out of your heart. That's what he's writing. Can you see it now? It's so precious. Listen, I know Christians in the world become so precious to them. They're in the world, they're in the church, they're in the world, and they're out of the, they're out of the world, and they're in Christ, and they're back. I, I'm talking about in themselves. Listen, stop letting the world call you brother. Stop letting the world call you sister. We're in the world, but we're not off the world. Don't love the world, but love Christ while you're in this world. That's your victory. And he says, if any man love the world, or if any woman loves the world, if it calls the love out of your heart because it is so precious to you, he says, then the love of the Father is not in you. He says, your love for the Father is minimal. Or you wouldn't live like that. Do you see how, when thou settest seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee. See how important it is that worship is from the heart. My heart said unto thee, thy face, Lord, thy presence, thy name will I seek. How sure are we to be? We're to be fixed. Fixed on Christ alone. Do you see if Christ has your heart and he's so precious to you? The world will matter nothing to you. Look, brothers and sisters, I'm the chiefest of sinners. I was that man that nobody ever thought could be saved. And I know there's many others here, maybe the same way or... But I will say for me, I was the chiefest of sinners. I will say as for me that I was that man who thought no, who could never clean up his act in his life. I was that man who was lost uh, on, on the broad road to destruction on the way to a devil's hell. I was that man. But when I tasted and seen that the Lord was good and I, Christ found me on that broad road and lifted me and placed me in the narrow way, I can tell you something else now. That word has nothing on me. And the devil has no authority over me, but Christ, he liveth in me. It's Christ in me, the hope of glory. It's Christ and Christ alone. So we are to be sure, I'll do this last one and we'll do one more. If you don't mind, if you aren't tired of hearing this subject. Psalm 119 Psalm 119 and verse 161. My memory serves me right. I'm just going to check that. 
I've written it wrong, I think. Oh, no, I haven't. There's it there. Yes, 161, please. 161. Notice what it says. My heart standeth in awe of thy word. Princes have persecuted me without a cause, but my heart stands in awe of your word. Why would the psalmist write that? Because even as the Spirit has spoken already, in the darkest of times, in the hardest of ways, in the things that upset you and beset you and cause you to grieve and have anger or be angry at others, and all of those issues that we try to deal with day in, day out, and they close in on you. The idea is, is uh, these princes are against me. But my heart, my deep inner recesses of my being standeth in awe at thy word. Look, I don't know about you. You can have your own testimonies, I'm sure. There's plenty of them. I've heard many of them. But do you see the times when things have come against me and people have come against me and I've just stayed stumped and the Lord has dealt with it like this? Spoken to me in in his word one time and he says, Son, you leave it with me and I'll deal with them. And quietness and confidence shall be your strength. And I said, okay, Lord. And I've kept that for a long time. I just stay quiet and the Lord takes the dealing. I stand in awe at his word. I stand in awe at his word. And in your life, the word remains for you to stand in awe at his word. So how much are we to give him all our heart? What is our heart to be? It is to be fixed on Christ. How blessed are we? We stand in awe of our God and his word. So whenever the psalmist says, when thou saidest, Seek ye my face. My heart saith unto thee, face, Lord, will I seek. He's saying, you've called me from the inside. I am going to inquire. I'm going to pursue. I'm going to follow hard after. Let me give you this word, and it's the same, and this is the last, okay? In Psalm 23, verse 5, maybe it's verse 5, I think. Surely goodness and mercy shall, what's the word? Follow. Say it a little louder. Follow. Say, follow me, Lord. Follow me. I'll tell you what, let's read this out. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. How long? All the days of my life. In fact, verse 6, I'll think of it. Verse 6, verse 6, yes. And I, what? Shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. See the word follow? Gives the idea, the exact same word to seek here. Surely, without a doubt, he says, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Listen, goodness and mercy will hunt me down. (laughs) That's the idea of it. God is wanting to bless his people, but his people don't really want to be blessed. (laughs) They want to stay in the rut. 
They want to hold on to the bitterness. They want to hold on to the hate. They want to hold on to the one who's done them wrong. Instead of letting it go and letting God's blessing flow, they want to say, Lord, yes, bless me. And you won't bless me, but you're going to bless them. And the face that sits longer than a lurking spade. <laughs> you, re- you should remember this. <clears throat> People in the church, and we had a great worship leader. I mean, this guy was spiritual, talented, gifted. And there were some that said, well, and you can just read it on their faces. Make me worship. <laughs> you guys were with me a few years. You know who I'm talking about. There's a few sat every meeting. Go on, make me worship. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to get myself into trouble. I'm going to say no more. But you guys know what I mean. (laughs) And you know what? They never got the blessing. Never once did they ask, or never once did they mention a blessing in the meeting. You know why? Because they just didn't want it. Because see, when God blesses you, you know what happens? He starts to change you. He starts to work on you that you feel compelled with the compulsion of the blessing you've received to go and bless other people. And he might ask you to bless somebody you don't even like. <laughs> he might ask you to go and say to someone, you know what, I hurt you. Or I was wrong. He might ask you to go to someone and say, I disrespected you. Forgive me. Or he might ask you to go and give of your abundance to someone else because he's blessed you. Or maybe you have nothing and you've got your last in your hand and he says, I want you to give it. Now listen, I'm not talking about here. You can give it here if you want, but I'm not talking about here. I've never preached money and you know that. Never once. Anybody's with me for 10 years now has never knows I don't preach money. But I remember we were sitting, Alice and I, with one pound she could tell you nearly the exact, I can't remember now, 40 something or whatever. And the offering plate came round. We had no money in the bank. We were living in my apartment. <laughs> my, my, my flat in Mount Vernon on the shore road. When she came, I had a settee and it was a shape of a, 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 a big chair and it was the shape of a heart at the back. She thought I was all romantic. It wasn't. It was broken in the middle and I got rid of the skip. <laughs> And it caved down into the middle. It just looked like a heart. And I also thought I was a romantic type of guy. I thank God. I thank God that he gave me her because I was just in a terrible way. But I remember sitting in church, we had nothing. I mean, when we say nothing, we're not saying, well, not none as we go to the hole in the wall. We hadn't even a card to go to the hole in the wall. We had nothing absolutely nothing with no food in the cupboard and on a Sunday afternoon we were going back for a tin of beans between us and we'd live like that for about a week we were starving 
but pride will not let us go and ask anybody for anything. Never told anybody. And I remember we were sitting in church one Sunday morning, we had this shrapnel, as we would call it, you know, in the hand, and Austin looked at me and said, it's not a lot, but Lord, it's all we have. See, by the time we get home, we were home maybe 10 minutes and the door wraps. And I know it's the Lord's day. We're not meant to do a shopping on the Lord's day. But my brother and his wife came, wrapped our door with a week full of grocery steaks and everything. He says, I don't know why, but we just felt that we were to buy you this and dumped it all in our hall. All right, then you can put it away yourselves. And we went, put it away. It's going away in here, never mind into the cupboard. <laughs> God might ask you, see, and the blessing that we received then, he kept blessing us. So what happened? We had to go and bless others. Go and bless others. So the scripture is this. When thou sellest, seek ye my face, or my presence. My heart saith unto thee, thy face or thy presence, Lord, will I seek. God bless his word to all of our hearts for the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen.